Now, it's a new year. It's 2019. Um, so that means we're, we're six days into it now, uh, which means that if you've written out a check or wrote a date down, you've probably done it wrong by now, right? Anybody write, write down 2018? Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. Uh, but it seems, you know, it takes us a good solid month to finally accept the fact that it's, it's 2019. And uh, with the new year comes New Year's resolutions, and, and we like to make those. Is anybody in here, by show of hands, you've made a New Year's resolution this year? All right, a few of you guys have this morning. Uh, and, and New Year's resolutions, they're, you know, they're good things. They're, they're goals that we got to set. Maybe you set a resolution this year uh, to work on your health, right? And you've set a plan of, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diet, I'm going to start eating right, or maybe I'm going to exercise and, and uh, get healthy, or I'm going to get more sleep. Uh, some goals that people set, some resolutions that they set are, I'm going to cut out something bad. Right? We're going to get rid of that addiction, uh, we're going to get rid of that bad habit, and, and that's a good thing. Other ones are, we're going to add good things. We're going to add good things. Maybe it's, I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to spend more time in prayer, or I'm going to spend more time uh, with my family. And all those resolutions, those are, those are great resolutions. The problem is, resolutions are easily broken. Um, so if you're, you're starting a resolution and you're going on the right track, uh, I'll try not to discourage you too much this morning, but there's a stat out there that 80% of New Year's resolutions are broken by February. Think about that. We are just some lazy people or something. Like, we don't really hold through with our commitments. 80% are broken by February. So that means, uh, you know, in the course of one month, people get discouraged, they give up, they throw in the towel, they say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. So that's not too encouraging. Uh, we start off with such in good, good intentions, but then we fail. Now, in this series, uh, it's called Going the Distance. We have a goal, right? A, a New Year's resolution, so to say. It's to go the distance. So that means if you've accepted Christ in this room, uh, our goal is by the time that either Jesus returns or that we die, our goal is that we still should be living for Jesus, that we should be, uh, when we cross that finish line, that we are going 100% for Jesus. That's our goal as Christians. That is our New Year's resolution, so to speak. That's the goal that we are trying to hit. And really, anybody who's accepted Christ, that's the commitment they made. They didn't make it for just one day. They made it, it's a lifelong commitment. If you've accepted Christ, it's a lifelong commitment to say, God, I, I want to serve you all my days. Not just, I want to serve you this week or this month. No, it's it's all or nothing. It's a lifelong commitment. And uh, over the course of this series, uh, we've learned three crucial practices to help us along that journey, to help us go the distance. The first one is, of course, read your Bible, right? We, we learned, pastors mentioned that stat that one of the most determining factors of if you go the distance or not is, are you reading your Bible at least four times a week, right? And, and that's so, it's so critical that we're in God's Word, that we're spending time in His Word, that we're reading His Bible, not to just check it off a list, but to actually get something out of it. We need to be reading His Word. Because God's Word, this is really, it's an instruction manual. That's what this is. So if you've got kids or grandkids and you got them a big toy for Christmas, and uh, it came with an instruction manual, you know, some assembly required. And uh, if you throw that instruction manual out and don't look at it, by the time you're done assembling the toy with a thousand pieces, and the latest thing I found is like there's stickers on everything, and so you still have to start off with like an hour long of stickers before you even get into the, it's just crazy anyways, um, you know, and so you're, you're putting this toy together, 
it's not going to look like the box if you don't follow the instructions, right? And in the same way in our lives, if we don't spend time in the instruction manual, we're not going to look the way that God designed us. We're not going to be able to go the distance. We're not going to be able to live out the purpose that he has for his life because we didn't read the instruction manual. So this is a good place to start. The second crucial practice that we saw was prayer. And prayer is so critical because on our own, we are, we're pretty powerless to do anything of, of great significance. But through prayer, that's our power source. It connects us with God, our, our all-powerful, our almighty God, who has unlimited resources. So when we pray, now God has the power to work through us. So without prayer, we're powerless, and with prayer, we are powerful. We have more than enough power to defeat the enemy, to do what God has set us out to do. The third crucial practice uh, is, is church. And we're not talking just about attendance. Uh, we're not talking about this building. But we're talking about being part of the church. We're talking about uh, connecting with other people, serving each other. Uh, we just talked about that last week. We, we've got to serve each other. We didn't come here to be served. We, this isn't a club uh, where we have membership perks and things like that. But this is a place where we come to serve others, to grow together. I was reminded of that this week. Uh, just this past Wednesday, uh, in youth group, we started uh, the YouVersion Bible app, and we started doing a devotional together. So every day, uh, our group is going through and we're reading it, and there's a, a section in there where we can comment on what we read and what God's speaking to us. So it's been cool to see students and leaders as, as they comment what God's been speaking to them, and, and it's so encouraging. Man, it's, it's building me up to see uh, students' faith, to see leaders' faith, and just see, man, God, you've got a plan for us. So that's what being part of the church is all about. It's, it's growing together. It's not just showing up and saying hi and, and heading out the door. It, it's growing together. It's pushing each other. It's encouraging each other. See, without these three practices, uh, we have no chance to make it. We have no chance to go the distance. If we're not reading the Bible, if we're not in prayer, uh, if we're not being part of the church, we're going to give up, we're going to dry out. Right? It'd be like setting a New Year's resolution uh, to lose weight, but then you don't diet and you don't exercise. You know, it's not going to just magically happen. In the same way with us, we're not going to magically make it to heaven one day if we haven't spent time in God's Word, spent time in prayer, and been part of the church. See, one of the saddest, one of the saddest things is to see someone give up, to disqualify themselves from this race, to say, I can't go the distance. That's so sad. I can think of friends who, you know, on a Sunday morning, I was worshiping right alongside of them. And, and I would look over and I thought to myself, man, they love Jesus more than I do. Like, they, they are so more sold out for God than I am. I wish I could be as good of a Christian as they are. But yet today, they're not serving Jesus. They, they dropped out of the race. And it's just, that's so sad. And I, you could probably name friends or family members that, that went through the same thing today, but you know, we still pray for them. We still believe that God can bring them back, that they can finish the journey, uh, that they can go the distance, they can finish strong. See, if your New Year's resolution, again, if, if it was to lose weight, you know the goal, right? That's the goal. The goal is, you know, I want to drop 20 pounds by such and such a time. And uh, you know the goal, you know the how-to, you know you need to diet, you know you need to exercise. But then why do 80% of the people fail? If they know the what, if they know the how-to, then why do people fail? And it's kind of the same thing with, with this goal behind me, to go the distance, right? We, we know the what. 
We know our goal. We know the goal is to be serving Jesus at the end of this life. We've got that. Check the box. We, we know the how-to. The how-to is to do, those, to do those three practices, to read our Bible, to spend time in prayer, to be part of the church. We know that. But how do we not become part of that statistic? How do we not give up? How do we reach those goals? And this morning I want to look, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, this is the instruction manual, right? If we've got a question, it's got the answer. Uh, so we're going to go to that this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think it gives us a little insight into how we can finish this journey. Again, we've got the what, we, we've got the how, but we need to know the why. Because I believe the why is going to help us uh, to stay strong, to, to stay going the whole way and not give up along the journey. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, starting with verse 24, it says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what's the why? Right? How do we, how do we get from point A to, to point B? How do we... How do we do that? Well, I want to give you four things this morning of, I think, how we can finish this journey strong. And the first one is this, motivation. We need the right motivation. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. See, several times in this passage, uh, the word prize is mentioned. It talks about the prize that you need to, to win the prize, that you need to race to win the prize, you need to race to get the crown. And, and, and it keeps telling us about this prize that we are going after. And and so I'm wondering this morning, where is your focus? Is your focus on the prize? Because if your focus isn't on the prize, you're not going to have the right drive. You're not going to have the right motivation to help you get from point A to point B. You may know the what, you may know the how, but if you don't have the why, if you don't have that motivation, you're not going to make it through to the end. You'll wander about aimlessly. Now I want you to imagine for a second with me. I know there's a foot of snow on the ground outside, but I want you to imagine summer. All right? That's a good thought right now. Uh, the grass is green. Well, it's summer. The grass is brown. And, you know, you're sitting there. It's a nice warm day, but it's time to mow the lawn. Right? So you, you get out the mower. And uh, isn't that hard to imagine right now? It's just, it's a little tough for me. Uh, but you get out the mower and you start to mow. Now, imagine if you were mowing and you could only look one foot in front of the mower the whole time. Right? That's, that's all the farther you can see. You're pushing along, but you're just focused on the immediate. You know, you'd start like mowing like this, probably, uh, because you're just so focused on the immediate, you don't really see where you're going. And you see, oh, there's grass over here, there's grass over here. But no, when you're mowing, you, you look ahead, you, you look down the line to make sure that you, you're keeping the right path, to make sure that you're, you're staying focused, to make sure that you're staying on the line that you need to be on. And it's the same thing in our Christian walks. We need to be focused all the way ahead and not just be focused on 
everything that's right here. It's really easy to just stay right here and and we can be worried about uh, living life day to day and problem to problem and crisis to crisis. And, and we're just going and we're putting out fires left and right. And we get discouraged. And, and eventually we give up because we don't have that hope. Because we don't see the prize that's ahead of us. See, church, we've got to look up and we've got to see the finish line coming. We've got to see the finish line approaching. We've got to see the prize at the end of the race. Otherwise, we're going to lose focus, and we're going to go left, and we're going to go right, and we're not going to go the distance. It helps us put this life is, we've got temporary things all around us, but it helps us to focus on the eternal and put that into perspective. Now, the race that uh, this passage is referring to, there was an actual race. Uh, back, uh, it was written to the Corinthians, and in uh, Corinth, they had a race every two years called the Isthmian Games, right? At these games, think about the, it's kind of like the Olympics, uh, but every two years. So every two years, they would have about four or five events. Two of these events are mentioned here, racing and boxing. And uh, these runners, they would train. They would train for two years. They would go into strict training uh, so that they could win the prize, right? And they get across the finish line. And you know what prize they got? They got a crown. But not just any crown. They got a crown made of dried celery. I mean, who wouldn't train two years to get a crown of dried celery, right? I mean, it's just like, man, they had some messed up motivation back then. And uh, even if it was fresh celery, it wouldn't be worth it. But that, that was the crown they were fighting for. But church, we've got a crown that is so much greater. We've got a prize that is so much greater than dried celery. We've got an eternal crown that will last forever. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, we've got an eternal prize that's waiting for us at the finish line. One that will last forever. It's not going to dry up. It's not going to go bad. But it's going to last forever. See, the Bible describes heaven as a place where death is defeated. Where there's no more sorrow. Where there's no more tears. Where there's no hunger. There's no thirst. There's no pain. There's no more night. But 24-7, we get to be in the presence of God Almighty. We get to be with Jesus. I'm looking forward to that, church. And if we need to keep our eyes on that prize. We need to focus on the finish line. That's going to help us be motivated so when we are dealing with the day-to-day -day problems, we can realize, you know what? This isn't all there is. There's so much more. And this is so worth it because there's an eternal prize waiting for me at the finish line. So if you want to reach your goals, you have to keep your eyes on the prize. The second thing that we need to be able to reach our goals is priorities priorities. We need to put our, our values above our wants. See, to win a race, you have to push yourself farther and, and harder than you ever thought you could go. You're going to have to give up some comforts if you're going to win the crown. You know, an extra slice of cake isn't going to win you the race. It's going to slow you down. And that's why Paul says that, that he strikes a blow to his body, that he makes it his slave. Uh, and he's talking in the spiritual sense here uh, of I'm not going to do anything to disqualify myself because I want to win. So I'm going to put away my, my temporary things, the things that are comforting me because I want something more. I want to win the race. 
So how do we determine these values? See, he puts his values or his comforts aside, his wants aside, so that he can uh, focus on his values. And, and how do we determine our values? How do we determine uh, those things in our lives that should be non-negotiable? The things that, that we say, no, this is what I believe in, so I'm not going to settle for less. Now, we don't know when we die. We don't know when that's going to happen. It could be today. It could be 100 years from now. You, you don't know that. We aren't promised tomorrow. And I want you to picture this. I want you to picture your funeral, all right? Maybe a little scary, but I want you to picture your funeral. And I want you to think about what do you want people to say about you when you die? What do you want your family to, to say about you? Uh, you know, to, what stories do you want them to tell? What do you want the pastor to preach uh, when you die? What do you want people to say about you when you die? I've been to enough funerals that I know that people's values come right to the surface at a funeral. Right? You, you can tell what that person valued. You can tell what that person cared about because death puts it all into perspective. So just take a minute. Think about that. What do you want people to say about you when you die. Because if you take the time to think about that, it's going to show you what you truly value in this life. I mean, when I took the time to think about this, um, you know, I want people to say, when I die, I want people to say, he loved Jesus. He, he, he loved Jesus. It was clear to us that he spent time in the presence of God. That's what I want to hear people say about me. I, I want to hear people say that, man, Ben, he loved sharing Jesus with people. He, he loved talking. He never missed an opportunity to tell other people about Jesus. I, I want people to say about me, he loved his family. He always had time for his family. I want people to say about me that, that he passed on his faith to his kids. That's, man, I, I, I want to I hear that, that Luke, Ava, and Ella are still serving Jesus when I die. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear that, man, he cared about people, that he loved people, that he always took time for people. He didn't treat them as, as, a, as a bother, but, but he always took time. He made people feel special. That's, that's what I value. That's when I cross that finish line, that's what I want people to say about me. See, death puts us in perspective what is important in this life. You can't take things with you. You can't take a collection with you. You can't take your wealth with you, but you can impact the people around you. You're going to be remembered more for what you gave than what you took in this life. See, once you identify your values, then you can determine your priorities. Then you can set goals, uh, short-term goals for uh, along, the, along the way of this race that we're running. You can figure out those priorities. And once you have those in, in place, then it's much easier to do the things that we value rather than the things that we want. See, what you value and what you want are two very different things. Let me put this into perspective for you. We all value our health, but we all want dessert. You know what I'm talking about, right? And if we don't have those values and those wants in the right, if we don't have our priorities in place, then we're going to pick dessert every single time because we want it, because it tastes good, because it sets us up, it temporarily gives us satisfaction, even though our health in the long term is, is more important than that, that dessert. And it's the same way in our spiritual lives. We've got to determine what we value so that we don't settle for what we want. See, in this spiritual race, we value our relationship with Jesus. We know that's important. But at the same time, 
we just really want to make sure we get all of our to-do list done. So we may not have time to read the Word. We may not have time to spend time in prayer. But again, it's values versus wants. You know, we want to be comfortable. We may not want to tell that person about Jesus. We may not want to sacrifice that portion of our paycheck. We may not want to sacrifice that time. But are we living for our values or are we living for our wants? See, without goals and without priorities in place, we're going to end up just going from want to want rather than from value to value. Our priorities will be out of line. Galatians puts it this way in chapter 5. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict each other so that you do not do what you want. Or, in this case, you do not do what you value. See, there's, there's the spirit side of us and there's the flesh side of us. There's the value side of us and, and there's the want side of us. And it, and it says they are in direct opposition. The spirit wants one thing and the flesh wants another and they're at war with each other. But church, we need to be a church that lives by the spirit, not by the flesh. We've got to win that battle. We've got to put our flesh aside. We need to put the temporary aside. We need to put our wants aside. And we need to start living by the Spirit. We need to start living for our values. We need to start living for the eternal. If you want to go the distance, you cannot sacrifice your values for your wants. The third thing this morning is, is standards. We need to race to win. We need to set our standards high. In this passage, it says that all the runners run the race, but only one gets the prize. And that we need to run in such a way as to get the prize. If you were ever involved in a sport growing up, then uh, you know that the very worst part of any sport is called conditioning. It's very brutal. So I don't understand cross-country or track. That doesn't make sense because that's just the whole sport. But, but in any sport... Man, conditioning, it's brutal. I, I always had the thought that uh, coaches would stay up late at night just dreaming up ways of they could torture their team the next day, right? And if you're a coach in here, you, you understand that because you do it. I believe that that's true. And uh, we had, I think, my most, uh, we'll call it my most creative coach uh, was my basketball coach growing up. And uh, man, he just, he loved to invent new ways to keep us in shape. I remember there was one game, we got out-rebounded by about 30 rebounds. And the next day we show up to practice, and he had come up with this idea of, all right, every game, any time you get out-rebounded, you have to run that many down-backs the next day. You know, funny, it happened after we got out-rebounded by 30. So we were running for a long time that day. Um, another one that, this is my least favorite drill of all, called it the tip drill. And uh, you'd stand in a line underneath the basketball hoop, and the first person in line would have a basketball. They'd throw it off the backboard. And the next person would have to catch it in the air and throw it off the backboard. But there was, it was full court. And uh, so you had to keep two lines going. And so you kept running in circles. And you could never let the ball hit the ground. If you let the ball hit the ground, you had to start over. And, man, that was tiring. And he'd make us run wider and wider and wider circles until, you know, we all were about ready to pass out. It wasn't fun. Uh, but then there was this one drill that, that he got really creative with. And he said, all right. You guys have been running your down backs, but you haven't been doing it fast enough, so now I'm going to start timing you, right? So he took out his timer, and he says, if you don't do it in X amount of seconds, it doesn't count, and you got to do it over again. And uh, being the lazy person that I was, I thought to myself, 
there's a way that I can, how can I do the least amount of work and still pass in this, you know, running test? So I thought, I don't have to finish first in these down backs, but I just need to not finish last. Because the person who finished last, they're the ones who, they set the pace. And if they're too slow, then the whole team has to run it over again. So when we got called to the line, I found the heaviest guy I could, you know, our center, and I stood next to him. And I thought, if I can just beat him, then we'll be okay. You know, so I, I lined up next to him, and I can run much faster than this guy, but I just kept pace with the heavy guy, because I thought, hey, as long as I'm not last place, I'm okay. So then once we got close to the finish line, then I just ran ahead of him so that the team couldn't blame it on me. I wasn't racing to win. I was racing to not lose. I was just trying to get second to last place. And it's really easy to live our lives this way. It's really easy to live our lives to say, I want to get into heaven, but I don't need to be first. I just need to not be last. And we, can, we, we start to play this comparison game. We, we're sitting next to the person next to us, and we think, I may not read my Bible much, but I read it more than them. I, I may not pray very much, but I pray more than them. I, I may not serve much at church, but I serve more than them. And, and we just start to compare ourselves, and we think, I can get in as long as I'm better than someone else. But this passage says that only one gets the prize. That there's only one winner. Church, are we running to get first place? Are we running to get grand prize? See, this goal, the goal of this race, the goal of this journey, it's not to beat someone else. It's to win the race. So it's time we set our standards higher and we race to win. Second place, it's not good enough. Second place doesn't cut it. See, the person to your left and to your right, they're not your competition. They're your teammates. We're all in this together. We're the church. We're, we're going towards one goal. We're all going towards the finish line. This is your church family. Don't play the comparison game. Because that's a trap. It's going to trap you every time. And, and the devil would love nothing more for you to just start comparing yourself to other people. Because then he knows you're not going to give your all. He knows you're just going to give enough. And that's a lie the devil wants to tell you. You know, you can do just enough. But God requires us to give our all. Only one runner wins the prize. Church, if you pick up your pace, then the people around you are going to pick up their pace too. So set the bar rather than just trying to do enough. Go all in. Because if you lose, if you bow out of this race, you can't blame it on anyone else. You can't blame it on anything. You are responsible for what you do. Only you can disqualify yourself from this race. You're the only one. No one else can disqualify you. Only you. So church, we need to set our standards high. So don't run to not get last. Run the race to get first. Run the race to win the prize. The last thing uh, that I want to, want to mention this morning as we look in this passage is accountability. Accountability. Go through strict training. See, everyone, it says in the passage, everyone who, who competes in the race goes into strict training. Everyone does. And, you know, we, we see that in the world today for the Olympics. Athletes go through strict training uh, to be able to win the race. They set the goals for themselves. They, they try to pace themselves in order that they can win the race. They, they diet. They exercise. They, they don't put anything in their bodies that's going to slow them down because they have such razor-sharp focus. I need to win 
the race. So they go into this strict training. And in this race of life, we need to go into strict training as well. That training is, is what we've been talking about in this series. Uh, spending time reading God's word, spending time in prayer, being a part of the church. And, and actually, we've got a name for this in, in youth group. We call it the three-legged stool. And each, each of those three things is one of the legs of that stool. And if you fail in one of them, well, let's just say physics isn't on your side, right? You're going to fail in all of them because you didn't do uh, just one of them. They're so important, all three of those. You can't get by, you can't just skate by just doing one. Well, I read my Bible and that's good enough. Or I pray and that's good enough. Or I go to church and that's good enough. No, we need all three. All three of those are dependent on us staying upright and us staying in the race. So if you want to reach your goals, then today you've got to start by being brutally honest with yourselves. You've got you to provide some self-accountability here this morning. So I want you to, to think about this. How are you doing in those three areas? How are you doing in, in, in prayer and in reading your Bible and in, in being part of the church? All right, think about this. Ask yourself this question. You don't have to answer this out loud. This is just for you. This is between you and God. But are you reading your Bible as much as you should be? I'm not talking just to check a box, not to just say I've read it, but are you reading your Bible and, and getting something out of it? Are you reading your Bible and you're allowing it to change you? And are you applying it to your life? How are you doing with that this morning? How's your prayer life? Are you only praying out of crisis or out of need or just out of, you know, habit? I always pray at this time. Or are you praying because you want to spend time with Jesus? Because you want to spend time in his presence? Because uh, you know that you can't do it on your own. How's your prayer life this morning? And the last one is, are you connected to the church? Not a building, but a people. Not just sitting in the pew, not just saying hello and making sure people knew you were there, but... Are you growing together? Are you, are you encouraging other people? Are, are you serving other people? Are you passing down those things that you read, that you spent time in prayer, that God has revealed to you throughout the week? Are you passing that on to other people here at the church? That's what being part of the church is. So how are you doing this morning? Again, we, we need to have that accountability in our lives because if we're weak in one of those areas, it's going to cause us to stumble. So we really need to, to take an inventory and make sure that we're doing the best that we can so that we can grow and we can get better and so we can win the prize. See, it goes back to our values versus our wants. You can view these three things as, as valuable, but if we don't have that accountability in place, then we're just going to keep doing what we want rather than going towards our values. Accountability is so crucial. And not just self-accountability, but that's why the church is so crucial, the people around you. So they can encourage you, so they can help you and, and, and say, hey, how, what have you been reading in your Bible this week? Tell me, how's your alone time with God? And, and maybe not even like in a, did you do this, did you do this, did you do this? But no, let's grow together. I want to hear. I want to know what God is doing in your life. So let's share with each other. Uh, a few verses that I found in Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Right? We, we need each other. We need each other so we can sharpen ourselves, so we can train ourselves, so we can be, uh, we can grow. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Right? We need each other. We need those people in our lives that can say, you got this. You can do this. You set that resolution. You set that goal. I believe you can achieve it. 
right? We need those people in our lives to, to speak that into us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. We need those people to hold us accountable in life so that way when we mess up, when we fail, we've got someone there to help us, right? So that we don't just fall and fall off the map and disappear and disqualify ourselves from the race. We need each other. We need that accountability in our lives. We can't make it through this journey without accountability, without the church. That's why the church, again, it's so essential to going the distance. That's why it's part of that three-legged stool. See, Paul is the writer uh, of this passage. Paul was missionary extraordinaire. Uh, he was preacher extraordinaire. He was Christian extraordinaire. I mean, he had it all going for him, right? But yet he says that, that he needs to keep those things in check, that he needs to make sure that he's focusing on himself because after he's preached to everybody, he needs to make sure that he doesn't disqualify himself from the race. He was worried. He was worried that he might not finish. But yet to everyone else, it's just like, Dude, how could you not finish? Like, you are Mr. Perfect Christian. So maybe to everyone else, they, they look at you and you think that they're, you're Christian extraordinaire, that you've got it all working together. But church, we need to stay accountable. No matter how far along in our relationship we may think we are or others may think we are, we've got to stay accountable. We've got to keep holding to those three things. We've got to hold to our values so that way we don't disqualify ourselves from this race. So the four things again this morning that we shared were motivation, priorities, standards, and accountability. We need those things in our lives. We know the what. We know our goal. We know we need to go the distance. We, we know how to. That three-legged stool, we know we need to read the Bible, we need to pray, and we need to be part of the church. But if we want to Make it happen. If we want to get to the why, we need that motivation in our lives. Uh, we, we need that accountability. We need the right priorities. We need the right standards. And when you look at Jesus' life, I mean, Jesus had all those things. See, Jesus never lost focus. He never took his eyes off the prize, right? He had it all. Jesus had everything that he could ever want. He was in heaven. He was with the Father. Uh, he had everything. But he didn't have you. And he wanted you. He wanted to share what he had with you. And the only way to make that possible was to come to this earth to humble himself. And, you know, as he lived his life, uh, there's many times the Bible tells where the people just wanted to, like, they saw his miracles. They saw him, you know, uh, take the five loaves and two fish and turn it into food for 5,000, right? And, and they thought, we should make that guy king because he's just so cool. We want him to do that more often. Right? So he had all the popularity that he wanted, but yet Jesus, he rejected that. He ran away from those things. He wasn't going after the comforts in this life. He kept his focus on you. His goal was you. His motivation was you. Even the night before he was crucified, we see he was battling between his values and his wants. He said, God, I don't want to go to the cross, but if it's your will, if that's what needs to happen, then I'm going to put my wants aside and I'm going to chase after my values. And so the Bible says he humbled himself. He humbled himself even to death on the cross. He went through that pain for you. He went through that agony for you because he loves you, because he wanted to give you that gift. He wanted to give you that prize. He wanted to give you that crown of eternal life because he loves you. 
He had the right priorities. He had the right standards. And it's a gift that he still offers freely to us today. All we need to do is accept it. If there's anyone in this this room this morning who you've never started this journey, uh, you've never started this race, you've never accepted that free gift, you can this morning. And I'd love to pray with you in, in just a moment, but it's very simple. All we need to do is is believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, that we accept him as our Lord and Savior, and that we confess our sins, that we've messed up, that we failed. And and in an instant, God forgives us. God gives us, he sets us on this journey. He gives us that free gift. And it's the greatest thing you could ever do in your life. So in just a few moments, if that's you, I'd love to be able to pray with you. Right now, Lana, if you could come. Uh, We're about to close this morning. Uh, But my desire, my desire is that every person in this room goes the distance. Man, that's my heart. I may be the youth pastor, but I don't just love just the youth. Man, I love my church. I love my church. I love each and every person in here, and I don't want to see you fail. When I cross the finish line, I want all of us to be in it together. I want us all to cross the finish line together. I want all of us to go the distance We're on a team. We're we're in this race together, church. And it's so sad when one of us drops off, one of us disqualifies themselves. That's why we're the church. That's why we're here together. So we can encourage one another. So we can pick each other up when we fall, when we stumble. We keep going forward. We keep our eyes on the prize. On that eternity with Jesus. So it's time that we start to set our standards higher, that we're not in competition with anyone, but we say, hey, we're, we're all in. We're in it to win the race. It's time we put our priorities in check, that we put our values above our wants, that we don't just live for today, but we live for eternity. It's time we, we stay accountable to ourselves and to the people around us, that we don't reject that, but we embrace it and say, would you help me? Would you help me? Because I don't want to give up. I don't want to be disqualified. And I know I can't make it to the finish line alone. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to be a part of the church. So this morning, would you stand with me? Close this service. I... We want to open these altars up. And if God's speaking to you today, and if God's just pulling on your heart today, and you know there's some things you need to set straight. Maybe you haven't been given it your all. Maybe you've been focused on what you want rather than what you value. Maybe you just need God to, to speak more into you. Then these altars are open. I'd love for you to spend time around these altars. This morning, if you've never started that journey if you've never accepted that free gift and when I'm finished praying this morning I'm going to be right down front I would love to pray with you I would love to to guide you through that and and, and talk you through that so I'm going to be just right down front right here so if that's you this morning I just want you when we finish praying just come up and and I'd love to pray with you there's plenty of time for you guys to to go after God be music playing Uh, but when I pray um, I encourage you come to these altars And uh, don't leave until God's done with you this morning. Jesus, 
God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you didn't just throw us into this race and you didn't give us the how-tos. No, you gave us your word. You gave us everything that we could possibly need to make it through this journey. You've equipped us. You've prepared us. God, if only we will reach out and do what you've asked us to do, do what you've called us to do. God, I pray if there's anyone in here this morning feels like they've fallen down, I pray you'd help them get back up this morning. That we wouldn't disqualify ourselves. But God, we would work together to go after that prize, to win the race, to receive that crown. God, we can't wait for heaven. We look forward to that day. So Jesus, speak to us this morning. Change our hearts. God, may we not leave this place until you're done with us this morning. May we leave this place changed. May we leave this place new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.